Today's episode is brought to you by DeSanto Propane. DeSanto Propane is four generations strong as a trustworthy family-owned business with unmatched customer service. Go online at desantopropane.com for more info or call toll-free at 1-800-752-4574. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. From FingerLinks1.com, this is FLX Today. Next week, there will be a contested Republican primary in Seneca Falls to see who is on the ballot in November's general election for town supervisor. Last week, we caught up with incumbent Mike Ferrara, who is seeking re-election. And, as promised, we are joined this week by challenger Frank Schmitter. At the center of every contested election in the town of Seneca Falls is Seneca Meadows Landfill. For residents and voters, it's become standard. But for Schmitter, there's more at stake than simple landfill fill politics. That's why he says it was the right time to get involved. Our conversation covered a lot of ground, and as a reminder, if you'd like to check out our conversation with Supervisor Ferrara, that's available in the accompanying article to this interview on FingerLakes1.com, also on our YouTube channel and Spotify. Now for our sit-down with Frank Schmitter. Frank, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, Obviously, you are in the throes of campaigning right now. I'm curious, why do you want to run for town supervisor? And I feel at this time in my life, my children are grown, I, that I have the time to give 100% effort into it. So my first uh, thought was after talking to family and friends, they've encouraged me to do it. Uh, I was asked by a person from the Republican uh, Party if I would be interested in being on the town council. They had an opening for uh, appointment. So I thought it would be great. So I did go to an interview uh, to be, you know, for them to endorse me. And I was asked a couple questions by Mike Ferrara at the interview. One was, you know, would you support an, a candidate that was running for under for a different party, not the same party, but a different position? And I was someone I would not vote for, and I told him that. And then, he, of course, he asked me about the landfill, and I said, I don't have an opinion whether it's open or closed, but I feel if the town's issue and permit, they should always be in compliance with it. So uh, I got a call the next day. They said they wouldn't not endorse me because I wouldn't support their other candidate. And then, of course, I knew people in the meeting before, and they told, you know, on the side, told me that's not the case why you did not get endorsed. You didn't get endorsed because Mike wasn't sure if you were going to support the landfill or not. So I went home and I discussed it with my wife, and I decided that I don't think I could work under someone that control, wants to control everything I do and say. So I decided instead of running for town council, I would throw my head in for town supervisor. And that's what I did. Total time, well, how much time would you say you, you considered that option? Because another option would have been to just not run. You, you know, you, you got into it, you tried. Uh, what made you sort of say, no, I, I really want to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And what was that time frame like? Was it, a, was it a day? Was it a week? Was it a couple weeks? It was probably a couple days for me to actually say I was going to do it. Uh, I, I, I kept it to myself. My wife and I, we just, we talked about it. And then, uh, so I didn't really let anybody know until I started getting signatures for the, you know, force of primary. And then I started getting a lot of calls from people glad that I was doing it and pushing me to do, do it. 
So as you've been talking to folks uh, in Seneca Falls, what are the, the top two or three issues uh, that you think people are most worried about right now in this primary? Well, I don't think I could just narrow it to two or three, Josh. I, I, I knocked out a lot of doors. I had to get my signatures without the party endorsement. And there's pretty much six or seven pretty major ones. And I'm not going to pry towards which I think is more important or what the people thought. But obviously, you know, the one is the Cuban nation. You got the infrastructure. You have the landfill. You have high taxes. You have the reassessment. You know, and this is a seems like a little one to people, but people are upset that they no longer could pay the water bill at the town. I think they felt once a quarter they could actually go to the town building, talk to someone, see what's on the bulletin board, whatever the case may be. It kept them a little bit involved. Now we make them go to you know a bank that's on the outside of town, you know outskirts of it, and they wanted to be in the building and see it. So we took that away from. And another complaint: people say there's just no, you know, contact between the town people and them. You know, it's hard for them to find answers for anything they want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at a prospective uh, term as supervisor, what's that long-term vision? What What do you see as kind of the ideal uh, look for Seneca Falls when that four years is up? Well, I think what Seneca Falls has to do is take care of our natural resources. This is a beautiful area here. We have all this water, uh, parks, stuff like that. Tourism is a big thing here, and I think it helps the downtown. Obviously, we want to see downtown full of businesses, you know, something, you know, like Skinny Atlas. There's people there every day walking around town. We have the same thing here with our resources and stuff like that. But what we need here in this town really bad is housing. Uh, I mean, you need housing that middle-class, professional people can come here and raise their family. We have a great school district. So if you get people to move here, maybe they will open a business here. But there's no places to live. You know, we have enough of the low-income housing. We need housing for people that want to establish a family, that have good incomes, and want to live in this area. Let's talk about uh, some of those issues you mentioned. Housing, that's a big one. That's a big one, everyone. Everywhere, though. Um, for Seneca Falls, the Cuga Nation is a big one. Is it time for a relationship to be forged there, or how would you approach that if you're elected supervisor? I truly think you could work with Cuga Nation. This is their town, too. This is where they're raising their families. I'm sure they want to be a place kept safe. Uh, I think reasonably you can sit down and talk with them, not be demanding, but have a good conversation. I think they'd be more than willing to work with the town to help us out financially. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that uh, you think Seneca Falls is missing present day that it needs, this is a reader question, this is something that's it's pretty vague, but I think it's a question that uh, a lot of folks get a sense for where you kind of stand in terms of uh, what you'd like to see brought to Seneca Falls. If you had to pick one thing that Seneca Falls doesn't have right now, whether that be a thriving downtown or maybe a piece of infrastructure that's badly needed. What, what, what is one thing that you really would like to tackle uh, if you were elected supervisor? I think if we could get a manufacturing company here that provides decent jobs for maybe 80, 100 people that would settle in this area, get this town booming again, and then we get Seneca downtown, get it going up. Downtown is, you know, I, I know there is problems down there, but there is a lot of businesses that are doing good down there, and it has potential. 
And if, you know, we get people living here that will visit that, spend money in town, it could help out the whole situation. And an, another question that we've uh, received plenty of from uh, readers and viewers is uh, in the public safety category, uh, there's a perception at least to some that Seneca Falls is a less safe community because of drugs and crime present day versus 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, first part of that is, is it a perception or reality? Do you think Seneca Falls is or is not less safe than it was 10 or 15 years ago? The second part being, what's your message to those folks with your public safety background uh, on that topic? Josh, I've been in law enforcement for about 36 years. Have things gotten worse? Absolutely. Uh, I don't think the problem is at the local level, unfortunately. It's, you know, all this bail reform stuff like that has kept criminals on the street. I think the Seneca Falls PD does an awesome job at, at protecting us. And drugs have become a big issue. And if we do not hold people accountable and put people in jail, things across the whole country are just, you know, state are getting worse and worse. And it, you can't blame the police. You, you got to blame the people that make the decisions above them. Right. Uh, Seneca Falls Police Department, too big, too small, right size, continue as is. That's a tough question because, you, you know, you, you got the problems in town, but everything has to have a reasonable budget. I, 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 you know, I work closely with uh, Chief Snyder, and I believe the board and me and the chief could get together. We could come up with making it, taking care of the guys. They need to be taken care of financially, and we could do that without, you know, increasing their budget. And we... If you do that, we got to stop them leaving. We've paid way too much money for people. We train them, which is six months. We, then we give them uniforms, give them around. They stay for a year or two. We put them in extra school, and then they leave. We just lost two really qualified police officers recently. They had quite a bit of time on there. And we, we honestly, I, they'll be very hard to replace. Right. And that, I, you know, if we don't stop that problem, we're just going to keep wasting money and not have qualified guys in there. Yeah. Uh, another issue that uh, several, uh, many readers care about, we see it every single day, is the landfill issue. Obviously, we don't know yet how the DEC is going to rule on that open permit application. That's probably a year to a year and a half away. Uh, but how do you plan to or would you approach the landfill issue in Seneca Falls with uh, voters and residents uh, if you were elected? Okay, so whether the landfill stays open or closed, I don't feel I have a say in that. Uh, I, I believe we have to leave that up to the DEC and the courts that is going there. However, it doesn't mean we can't be partners, and I don't believe they're working with us properly. I don't think at some point this host agreement, I mean, it's been three and a half years Mike's been in there, and he has done absolutely nothing for host agreement. Now he proposes one that would happen a year and a half, probably a year from now, he said, when the DEC decides. Well, if they were good neighbors, they would you know, host agreement that's fair to the people of this town, and they need to be in compliance with their permit. If, if they're not going to be in compliance, then we should not issue a permit because there's no incentive for them to take care of the problems if you're going to just give them the permit. And one other thing that most people don't think about is the overweight trucks going in there. It really needs to put an end to that. There's no incentive for them to do it. They're allowed to take so much garbage a day, whether 200 trucks bring it in or 210, they're still going to get that same amount of garbage. But with trucks being overweight, they're, de they're doing damage to our infrastructure. I know a guy that works for an uh, engineer for a city, 
and he told me one truck overweight going down the road probably does more damage than 30 to 40,000 cars. And, you know, and I thought, well, this sounds crazy. But if you put it in comparison, I, I, this is how I uh, try to describe it to people. You took a mother with a newborn baby, she can pick it up, carry it around all day, nothing happens to her. Now tell her to pick up her 18-year-old child one time, and your body can't handle it. And it's the same with the infrastructure. It's just a lot of weight, and it, it's definitely an issue because the state has crazy fines for overweight trucks because they know what it does to it. Yet, you know, the landfill allows them in there, and there's, there's no benefit to anybody. Plus, it's a safety issue. That, you know, they're harder to stop and cause accidents and stuff, and people get hurt. So they need to address that. I was going to say, is that is that something that the landfill should be dealing with from your perspective, or is that something that local law enforcement would need to work with state police and enforce outside on the way in? I did that later in the career of my state police. I was on a scales detail, and uh, we did write a lot of overweight tickets there, but the problem is we you can't get everyone because you'd have to be there 24 hours a day. For them, it, it, it is a problem that they can handle because they do not have to accept the person. They can just say, look, you're overweight. We're going to offload you here, but you're going to pay an extra $1,000 a ton. And that would stop people from coming in if there was a penalty for them bringing it in. But that's something they, you know, their management would have to decide on. Mm-hmm. Um, talked a little bit here about road infrastructure, but there's a lot of other infrastructure issues here in the town. Um, water, sewer. Uh, when you think about a couple of those, they're big, they're expensive. Um, what would you like to see or how would you approach some of those uh, bigger infrastructure issues that the town has over a span of four years? Well, first of all, we have to do things. We can't, you know, these people complain about their basements flooding, and yet we still talk about it. And next rainstorm, are we still going to be talking about it? Or are we going to get shovels in the ground and get these problems resolved? You just have to take action. You can talk about stuff to your blue in the face, but if you don't actually do something, problems are not going to be resolved. So I, I think we need to start getting stuff done right away. It's not gonna, you're not going to get it done in a year, but if you don't ever start, you're never going to get it done. You just got to start and keep resolving problems. What do you say to the, the folks who, when they hear that, they think, oh, no, that's going to be a lot of projects, a lot of money, my taxes might go up. What, what's your, is, it's a uh, balanced approach? Of course, it's, it's a balanced approach. You got you to gotta keep taxes where they are. But that's where, again, if we had a host agreement with the landfill and they had helped with this, you know, the expenses and we work with the Cuban nation and we cut wasteful spending, I think the town would have the money to do this. You mentioned communication near the top of this interview. Um, that being one of the major ways folks got their communication from the town was going to pay their water bill in person. Right. Um, if you were a town supervisor, what are a couple of the ways that you would like to see that communication be bolstered, improved? So maybe people don't have to come <laughs> to the town hall to actually know what's going on. Well, you, you have to have your phone number out there. You have to have people available to call. I mean, a lot of senior citizens have no other way but their phone. So if you have that out there, and, and I'm a firm believer you need to return calls. So if someone calls, you know, I have a neighbor who had an issue and he called several times and got no response to it. So that's not a good way to handle things. If people call, you need to step up to the plate. Get so, And it doesn't have to be you, me directly, or someone on the board. But if it's a highway problem, you call the highway and say someone needs to go address this situation and get get the people that work for the town, you know, to do their job. There's been some concern that the town's uh, own workforce 
uh, has seen a bit too much turnover over the last few years, a bit too much churn. Uh, what do you say to that problem? Is that something that you think as town supervisor you'd be able to affect? I definitely think that is a huge problem in this town. People, you have to pay people an honest, fair wage. I, and I think a lot of it has to do with our hiring. Uh, we need to pay people better, but they need to have qualifications. We have to stop wasting money. I mean, I watched a meeting where we don't have anybody for the town highway department that could pour a concrete sidewalk. I find that disturbing that we have to hire outsiders. I mean, you, we know contractors at least double or triple the price on anything. We should be have a couple guys that work for the town that could pour concrete and handle it there. And that you save money, then you could give them the raise they need so they can raise their family comfortably in this town. Absolutely. Uh, another reader question that we had uh, thrown at us, public forums. There's at least a portion of the population who would like to see more regular uh, public forums beyond just meetings where business is conducted, uh, where folks can ask the town board questions, the town supervisor questions. Uh, if you're elected town supervisor, do public forums in some way, shape, uh, do they have priority in your administration? Absolutely. I, I'm a firm believer the people of this town is one who we represent should have their say in just about everything. And if they want to voice their opinion, they obviously they can come to the meeting. Uh, I wouldn't set time limits. I let people need the time to speak it is what it is. Maybe having other times where you can meet to once a month if you want to say, you know, I, I'm in my office. Anybody wants to come in and talk directly to me, I'll have, I'll have hours set, you know, via Tuesday from noon to 8 p.m. Anybody wants to come in. you got to give people the opportunity to come in. And a lot of people aren't comfortable doing it in front of audiences. So if you sit there in your office one-on-one, -on -one, they're more apt to discuss it with you and tell you how they really feel. And the last question for you, where can folks learn more about your campaign? We're only about a week away from uh, elector primary day here. So where can folks learn more about uh, your campaign? Well, I guess the, I will give out my cell number and anybody can call me. I'd answer any question they want. It, it's 315-729-3931. Or they can stop by my house and I'll talk to them there. All right, Frank, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for taking it today. Thank you, Josh. That'll do it for this edition of Finger Lakes today. If you'd like to see more conversations like this one, check out the show on your favorite podcast platform or subscribe to the FingerLakes1.com YouTube channel. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.